Welcome to our weekly podcast called The Assembly. I'm Dwayne Dunaway. We're always glad to have you along with us. And today I thought we would just think about three key words to the Christian life that will help us to appreciate, I think, our Lord and Savior even more. And those words are Christ, cross, and crown. Now, the first word, of course, is Christ, Jesus Christ. That's not his last name, by the way. That is his title. The word Christ means anointed one. It is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah. And it means that he is the one that God sent into the world to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist said in John 1 and verse 29. It means that he is the one that God has approved, that God spoke out of heaven at his baptism, for example, and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You remember in Matthew chapter 16, he came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and it says that he asked his disciples, who do men say, who do people say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say that you are Elijah, some Jeremiah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. And then he made it personal. He said, who do you say that I am? It's kind of like when Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ, when he was presenting Christ and Barabbas to the crowd? And they said, crucify him. Well, we have to make that personal. What shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? Who do I say that he is? We all have to ask ourselves that question because it has to be personal. It has to be a personal decision about Jesus. And Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the anointed one. That was the good confession that Jesus said he would build his church upon. And it is a confession that we still need to make. And we still must make in our own hearts. We must make it with our mouths, we must make it where people know that we believe it, that we believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. When the uh, Ethiopian was going to be baptized in Acts chapter 8, Philip asked him, do you believe? You believe with all your heart you can be baptized when he wanted to be, and he expressed an interest in being baptized. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he is the son of God. And that is what we believe. That is what Christians believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God. And he came into the world for the purpose of saving the world. And Jesus said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, I will give you the keys of the kingdom after I build my church upon this confession you've just made. You are Peter the rock, but I'm going to build my church upon the rock, the confession that you've just made. Now, there's a sense in which he did build the church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, of course. But there, I think he's talking about the confession that Peter had just made. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. And you're Peter the rock, but upon this rock, I will build my church. And I think the rock that he's talking about there was the confession that Peter had just made. But regardless, we know that the church is built upon that confession. It is built upon the relationship that we have with God through the anointed one, through the Christ, the Son of God who came into the world to take away the sins of the world. And when Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom in the next part of Matthew chapter 16, he said, you will bind on earth what has been bound in heaven. You will loose on earth what has been loosed in heaven. In other words, they would have the authority to go out and preach for the Christ, to preach his word and to open up the 
uh, kingdom doors. And that's exactly what they did in Acts chapter two. He said, I will build my church upon this rock and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. He didn't say I was going to build my church and give you the keys to something else. He's talking there about the church. And in the second chapter of Acts, Peter stood up and preached the entrance requirements into the kingdom. Uh, Acts chapter two and verse 36, he summed up a sermon and all of the apostles preached that day, but Peter was the one whose sermon was recorded. And he said, I want you to know in verse 36 that God has made this Jesus whom you have crucified. God has made him both Lord and Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. And so they were cut to the heart when they heard that. And they said, well, what can we do? And Peter told them, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Verse 41 says that 3,000 souls were baptized that day. Verse 47 says that the Lord added to the church those who were being saved on a daily basis. So the church began there in Acts chapter 2. And that's exactly what Peter uh, confessed, that Jesus was the Christ, and then preached in Acts chapter 2. And that's exactly what Jesus said was going to happen, that he was going to build his church upon that confession that he is the Christ, upon that belief in him as the Son of God, the anointed one of God. And that's exactly what we believe today. That's exactly what we teach today. We teach that Jesus is the Son of the living God who has come into the world to take away our sins. And a lot about that we don't understand about him being the Son of God in there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we don't understand about the Son of God and the Father and the Holy Spirit, but we believe that he is the Christ, God's anointed one. He is the one who was to come, and he is the Messiah, and he is the Son of the living God. And he came into the world to die. So the Christ went to the cross. That's what the gospel message is about. That's what the gospel teaches us, that Jesus came into the world to die. Right after that, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus began to tell them that he must be killed and that he was going to be uh, crucified. And that's exactly what happened to him. He died on the cross for our sins. That's the gospel message. First Corinthians 15, Paul said, moreover, brothers and sisters, I declare to you the gospel that I preached to you, which you also believed and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, for I declared to you of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day. He died for our sins. Peter preached that too in that gospel sermon in the second chapter of Acts. He said that Jesus was delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God and was taken by wicked hands and crucified. There in Acts 2 and verse 22, crucified, killed on a cross. Now that is offensive to those with a worldly mind, those who do not want to accept the fact that our sins were so bad that they required that the anointed one of God die on the cross for our sins. But that is what the Bible teaches, and that is what we believe as Christians, that Jesus died for our sins. And that that's how bad our sins were, that he had to come into this world to die for us. Now, Peter said after confessing that Jesus is the Christ, when he heard Jesus saying that he was going to be delivered over and killed, he said, this will never happen to you, Lord. Right there in Matthew 16, right after he has made the good confession and has been pronounced blessed by Jesus, he said, no, this is not going to happen. He rebuked the Lord. And that's when Jesus made that famous statement, get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of, of men. And uh, I don't believe he was calling Peter Satan at all. I think he was recognizing that Satan was working through Peter at that time. 
And uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We know that from Ephesians 6 and verse 12. It's not a you know battle with a physical person. And he was not doing battle with Peter physically. It was Peter who was being influenced by the devil to rebuke the Lord and to say, I'm not going to let you die. And of course, that was a temptation to forego the cross. He had already faced that in the wilderness of temptation when Satan said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. If you'll fall down and worship me, you won't have to go through the cross. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So he was tempted to just not go to the cross, to leave the plan of God behind. That was a temptation for him as a man, but he refused to give in to that temptation. That's not what he needed to hear from, from Peter. He didn't need to hear, this will never happen to you. He needed to hear, uh, Lord, we'll be there with you. We'll be there for you. We'll, we'll stay with you to the end. But that's, of course, not what he heard. So it was a temptation, and Jesus was tempted all the way through his life. And he resisted that temptation, and he went to the cross for our sins. 1 Peter 2.24 says he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. And we need to remember that the Christ came into the world to go to the cross. The anointed one of God, the Messiah, was born to die. He said in Matthew chapter 20 that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came in order to die. When he was born, the angel told Joseph to call his name Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And the name Jesus means Savior. So he was born to save. And the way that he was going to save was to go to the cross. And the cross meant death. It meant a perfect sacrifice, a perfect man dying in our stead. It meant the Son of God dying on the cross. That is the gospel message. And it is an amazing story. And it's an amazing thought to think about the love of God shown to us that we all were sinful, so sinful, that Christ had to die for us and was willing to die for us. That is a love beyond imagination. And all of us need to take that seriously and to bow our knees before Jesus and to trust in the cross and accept what Jesus did for us in order to save us. Because that was no ordinary man on the cross. That was the Son of God. That was the anointed one of God. And when the Christ dies on the cross, that leads to the crown because he was crucified. And before he was led to be crucified, you remember they put a crown of thorns on his head to mock him and to hurt him. But the book of Revelation pictures him as being crowned as king of kings. So he came the first time as the meek and lowly uh, suffering servant. But the second time he comes, he will come as the conqueror, as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, and he'll have on a different kind of crown. And those who follow him will take part in that, the crown of life uh, that we receive by following Jesus. See, there's a cross that we have to bear ourselves because going back to Matthew chapter 16, after Peter rebuked him and Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, that's when he said, Everyone must take up their own cross and follow him. Now, he's not talking about a literal cross where you die the way he did. He's talking about being willing to put aside your ways and your thoughts and the things you want and sacrifice them to the will of God the way that Jesus did. Jesus resisted temptation, came into the world to do the Father's will, and completely did the Father's will. Now, we are called 
to do the will of God ourselves. And we do that by taking up a spiritual cross, a figurative cross, if you will, and putting ourselves aside, putting our ways aside, putting our thoughts aside, and focusing on the will of God in our lives. That is the way that we are to live. And just like in the case of Jesus, where the cross led to the crown, that uh, symbolic cross that we take up, where we lay down our lives as a sacrifice, where we put aside what we want to live for God. Romans 12 and verse 1 calls it offering our bodies as living sacrifices, not dead sacrifices, living sacrifices. We sacrifice our will to God's. That leads to a crown of life. Remember James chapter 1. Uh, James said, Blessed is the one who endures temptation, for after he has been tested, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Paul came to the end of his life and said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all of those who love his appearing. So it is a crown that everyone will receive if they follow Jesus. By following Christ in faithfulness, we can receive the crown of life. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life, Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2. Be faithful unto death. Continue to carry that cross. When you feel like giving up, don't give up. When you feel like throwing in the towel and saying, God doesn't care, God has abandoned me, don't believe it. Don't give in to that. Believe that God is with you. Make the decision to live for God until the end because you are promised the crown of life, and we don't know what all that's going to involve. We know that it's going to be something wonderful. We know that it's going to involve eternal life in heaven, and it will be something that we'll never lose. But it's a wonderful thought to know that we will be rewarded, that we will be uh, resting with Jesus, that we will be forever in the presence of Christ when we go to be with him when this short life is over. No matter what has gone on, no matter how bad it's been, if we stay faithful to Jesus, we will have eternal life when this life is over because the cross always leads to the crown. So the crown is what we are looking for, the crown of life, the crown of eternity in heaven. And all of the things, all of the blessings, all of the wonderful things associated with being with Jesus. Remember, Paul said to depart and be with Christ is far better than anything here on this earth. And that's what kept him going. Did he feel like giving up sometimes? Of course he did. Uh, was he tempted to give up? Of course he was, just like the Lord was. But he stayed faithful and he said, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now that crown of life is laid up for me. And that crown of life is available to all of those who have loved his appearing. That crown of righteousness, he called it, is available to everyone who has loved the appearing of Jesus the appearing of the Son of God coming into the world the first time, knowing that he came in order to save us, respecting him and loving him as the Son of God. And we love his appearing, his second coming, the fact that he is coming again. We look forward to that because that will be a day of rejoicing for those who have decided to give their lives to him and to take up their cross and follow him. So the Christ is our Savior. He is the Son of God. He saves because he went to the cross. And now, because he went to the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead the third day, he ascended on high and took his seat of honor at the Father's right hand. Now we wait for him to come and get us and take us home to be with him. In the meantime, we take up our cross and we follow him. We live for him, in other words. We crucify our will so that we can serve his will 
we can obey him. And that carries with it a promise of eternal life that can never be taken away from us as we follow Jesus. So it is a wonderful, wonderful relationship that we have with Christ. And not everything in this world works out exactly like we want it to. This is a tough world and it's a tough life and there are hardships and they get harder as time goes on. But we have the presence and we have the strength of the Lord Jesus. We always have him in our corner and we know that he loves us and we can believe that he loves us. We make mistakes all the time. We make mistakes all the time. We have weaknesses. We have shortcomings, but he is a God of forgiveness. And that's why he died for us, because he knew that we were going to need his forgiveness. So stay with him no matter what. Don't ever give up. Don't ever let go of your faith. Hold on to the faith that you have in God's son, because it brings with it great reward, the promise of eternal life in heaven and help in the meantime. He's always with us here in this life. So think about those three key words of the Christian life, the Christ, God's anointed one, the son of the living God. That's what we believe. We believe in him. The cross that Jesus died upon, Jesus Christ went to the cross for our sins and he was raised victorious from the grave to prove that our sins have been forgiven. And then we are looking forward to living with him forever. And in heaven, we will have a crown, a crown like the one Jesus has, and we will be able to be with him forever. That is a message worth receiving, a message worth believing, and a message worth sharing with other people, the Christ, the cross, and the crown. So think about these things, and we thank you so much for joining us here on The Assembly, and we hope and pray that we've been a blessing to you. We look forward to seeing you next time. May God be with you in every way. Until then.